break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out, 31st of March, 2022. Very happy to be back with you here on the show. Plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. And we're going to be talking today about secret executions in Idaho. But before we get to that, we want to talk about Land Day in Palestine, which was marked yesterday, what it means and what it represents. Yesterday was Land Day marked by events around the world emphasizing the Palestinian resistance to the apartheid and ethnic cleansing policies of Israel, which have led to the dispossession of millions since 1948. Land Day calls for the right to return for those displaced, as well as decrying the ongoing efforts of Israel to force out Palestinians. Land Day has been held since 1976, when on March 30th, six unarmed Palestinians were murdered by Israeli military and police forces at a protest against the announcement of a large-scale seizure of Palestinian lands by the Israeli government. Demonstrations were held all across Palestine, with particularly large events, thousands and thousands of people, taking place in the Gaza Strip. Um Musab Abdel al a 45-year-old mother of seven told Al Jazeera at the Gaza protest, quote, The land is our land, and we will stick to it until the last drop of blood in us. Greetings to all our people in the West Bank, in the 1948 territories, and in the Niqab, and a salute for the soul of the martyr, Dia Hamasha. And that last point is a reference to Dia Hamasha, who was killed by Israeli police this week while resisting the Israeli occupation. 22-year-old Nima Abdu Alamarin, who was wounded during the Great March of Return, a massive Gaza protest movement launched on Land Day of 2018, and that lasted until 2020, told Al Jazeera at the Gaza Land Day protest, quote, On this day, I feel the land is ours. Even with my injury, I will not stop, and I will remain faithful to the defense of our cause. More than 260 Palestinians were killed and over 7,000 wounded by Israeli snipers, who fired on the two years of unarmed Great March of Return protest. The ongoing resistance of the Palestinians was highlighted again this morning after the Israeli military raided Janine refugee camp in the West Bank, killing two Palestinians and wounding 15 in what appears to be a retaliatory action for the aforementioned Dia Hamasha, who killed five Israelis in an action earlier this week. According to the United Nations, 5,988 Palestinians have been killed in the conflict since 2008, compared to 262 Israelis, making it clear who the true aggressor is. Land Day symbolizes the mass theft of Palestinian land that goes on more or less daily across occupied Palestine, in particular in the massive expansion of settlements in the West Bank. Since 1967, over 100,000 hectares of Palestinian land have been seized by Israeli settlements, with over 50,000 homes and other structures demolished to make that happen. Over 700,000 settlers now live in these settlements, which are supported by the Israeli government. About 40% of all land in the West Bank is now controlled by settlements, despite settlers representing something like 22% of the overall population. 
Although it's really worse than that, because in Area C, where most of the best fertile lands are, settlers control 63% of the land. Last year, according to the United Nations, 902 Palestinian-owned structures were demolished, and so far this year, that number stands at 72. The settlements come with a range of apartheid restrictions on Palestinian movements around them and between them, which require roughly 5 million Palestinians to navigate a thicket of checkpoints and harassment by the military police and armed settlers on a daily basis. There are even segregated roads where only Jews are allowed to travel. Hundreds of violent attacks by settlers on Palestinians happen every year. Israel also controls all the water in the West Bank. The few hundred thousand settlers consumed six times the amount of water that the nearly three million Palestinians there do. Just over 300,000 Palestinians are not connected to any water system, and 50,000 live in what the WHO deems quote-unquote emergency conditions as it concerns access to water. Amnesty International once described this state of affairs thusly, quote, Swimming pools, well-watered lawns, and large irrigated farms in Israeli settlements on occupied land, lush and green even at the height of the dry season, stand in stark contrast next to the parched and arid Palestinian villages on their doorstep, where residents struggle to have enough water to wash, take a shower, cook, clean, or drink, let alone to water their crops, end quote. Palestinians are prevented from building on the vast majority of land in the West Bank and other parts of Israel. Even in the areas of the West Bank where they are allegedly allowed to build, 94% of all applications for new buildings are rejected. In the Negev Desert, many towns are unrecognized and have no access to any sort of social services or infrastructure, and they are subject to frequent demolition and massive harassment of their residents. Palestinians are also subject to policies of family division. For instance, if you live in Gaza and want to marry someone in the West Bank, you can only live together if you live in Gaza. The Israeli government not only provides security protection for settlers, but also heavily subsidizes the building of settlements as well as the schools and the businesses set up there. These settlements are considered illegal by the United Nations, the European Union, and the United States, but none of those entities have really done anything at all about it. In fact, the United States is a facilitator of settlement activity in a range of ways, including allowing organizations to claim tax-exempt status in the U.S. to raise funds for Israeli settlements, and they also allow grants and other funds to flow from government coffers to organizations that support settlement activity. The overall thrust of all these points is clear. To create an apartheid state with the fewest number of Palestinians possible. In 2018, Israel passed the quote-unquote nation-state law that formally established Israel as a Jewish state, where Jewish people will formally have more rights than anyone else, and of course, particularly Palestinians. As one legal analysis of the law noted, quote, The law lends discriminatory policies against Palestinians' greater legitimacy and requires the executive, judiciary, and other authorities to implement them under the rule of law. The law also reduces the very grounds on which such discrimination can be challenged under Israeli law. Despite the foundational nature and far-reaching scope of the Jewish nation-state law, it contains no commitment to democratic norms or a guarantee of the right to equality or a prohibition of discrimination on the basis of race, nationality, ethnicity, or any other category for all people living under Israeli sovereignty. End quote. All in all, Land Day is a perfect opportunity to reflect on all of the facts we've just mentioned, the reality of what Israel is, it's an apartheid state, it's carrying out ethnic cleansing, it's institutionalized some of the worst possible beliefs and behaviors, and even worse than all of that, it's doing so in the name of a very noble cause, the struggle against anti-Semitism. Just a couple days ago, Idaho decided to add a veil of secrecy over their attempts to execute people. 
specifically making it illegal for the state to reveal anything at all about what drugs it uses for lethal injections and where they got those drugs from. The new law even tries to claim that that information will not be discoverable in court cases. Idaho hasn't executed anyone since 2012. Like many states, they've struggled to carry out lethal injection-based executions because most major pharmaceutical companies have now banned the use of their drugs and executions pretty much across the board. That has led to many states trying to use a range of workarounds, including executions using the drug midazolam. Executions with midazolam have been described as the equivalent of a chemical burning at the stake. The other option is for states to use shady compounding pharmacies that make up various drug cocktails said to mimic the traditional drugs used in executions, which typically include a paralytic and then a heart stopper. And this is, in fact, what Idaho did do in their last execution. As the Death Penalty Information Center reports, quote, Idaho had previously stonewalled for a decade a public records request for information on the suppliers of the drugs used to carry out the state's last two executions in 2011 and 2012. After the Idaho Supreme Court ordered the documents to be released, it was discovered that the corrections officials had chartered a plane and carried a suitcase on board with $15,000 in cash to fly to Washington State to purchase drugs from a pharmacy whose owner was disciplined by the state pharmacy board for violations including stocking expired drugs. The court ordered the Idaho Department of Corrections to pay $170,000 in legal fees for its bad faith refusal to produce the records and personally find a prison spokesperson for his conduct. End quote. In the U.S., executions can only be carried out if they meet the threshold of not being, quote-unquote, cruel and unusual punishment, the Eighth Amendment of the Constitution. As states have resorted to more and more drastic ways of executing people, the likelihood that some sort of random drug cocktail making an execution clearly painful, putting the entire death penalty at risk, has been a major concern of those looking to execute more people. And it's clear that if you can prove that the method of execution was exactly what caused the painful execution method, that would in fact be cruel and unusual punishment, you obviously can more directly crack down on those methods and perhaps the death penalty itself. So if you don't have to reveal anything about the method, you dodge the issue of whether this was the cause of the painful execution as opposed to some sort of bodily complication related to the person being killed. Essentially, you can just blame the person who was executed for anything that might have happened rather than your method of executing them. Also, if you don't have to reveal anything, you can avoid it becoming clear that you illegally procure drugs whose makers don't want them to be used for executions or that you procured drugs that are illegal in the sense that they may break patents or you know various scientific protocols or something of that nature. In other words, it is an easy way to avoid accountability. Whether or not Idaho's secrecy law will be able to stand in court isn't exactly clear legally. It isn't even clear if it's going to do what they need it to do to facilitate executions. But it is a good reminder of how, despite the death penalty being at all-time lows in terms of popularity and usage in the United States, those looking to continue executions are resorting to more and more extreme methods and processes to do so. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York, East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles, Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom.